everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Evil Voice Debrief. This is a series where we talk about the conversations that we have in our regular season. Um, and today, we're going to be chatting about our conversation with Paul Lazon. Yeah! <laughs> um, I was very excited to have this conversation. Actually, so... I don't know if if, um, people are familiar with like the format of podcasts, but a lot of podcast hosts have the flexibility to organize it in whatever way they want. So some podcast hosts will give you a bunch of questions ahead of time for you to prepare and think about, you know, the kinds of things you want to talk about when you come on as a guest. Um, For us, we kind of like it to be flexible. So if somebody does want some guiding prompts, we will give them in advance. Um, Or we just leave the conversation open and see what happens during that time. And this was very much a conversation where we went into it just seeing what was going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. And I I really love that format because sometimes you just, I mean, with Paul, there are like 18 different avenues we could have taken the conversation. And so it was really nice to have that flexibility to just hear him speak and hear him share. Um, And for me, that was my first time formally meeting Paul, which was really exciting. Haley, I know you have a bit more of a a deeper relationship with him. So I'm sure that would have been an exciting conversation to have too. Yes. I feel like Paul is like my music therapy fairy godfather. Oh, (laughs) I love it. He just is, is well, one of the first faces I ever saw in music therapy. I've told the story of how I came to music therapy. I didn't really know it existed before I went to university and he was the department head at the time. And so everything that had to do with my music therapy degree, Paul was a part of that. And he's just been such a great person to learn from, um, a really great just source of knowledge about a lot of things, as you probably could hear in that episode. He's a avid learner. And, um, you know, that really, really came through in the ways that he taught his courses. Granted, when I was in school, I'm very much a type A person, and I think there are a lot of people that probably could agree with that um, personality trait. When you're in a degree program and you don't really know what you're doing, mm-hmm. when you don't really know what's going to come next or what the future looks like, um, especially in such a diverse field like music therapy, sometimes him giving us space to kind of go with the flow and explore was not really up my alley because I was somebody that needed like a formula. I needed a plan. And, you know, music therapy doesn't really fit into that per se, which I think we talked about a little bit during our conversation too. And honestly, now in retrospect, looking back, I am so grateful for him not just saying, this is how you practice music therapy. This is the kind of music therapist I want you to be. Go out and do exactly what I do. No, it was the opposite. It was like, take your time to explore who you are as a music therapist, why you're deciding to practice, and how that informs the way you walk through the world. Hmm. 
Yeah, that that's so essential. Like you said, like it's not um, a direct recipe in music therapy. And so it sounds like what he really did um, and what I got from the conversation with him is challenge you to explore your curiosity and challenge you to put that at your forefront and, and really think critically instead of, like you said, this is the question, this is the answer. Well, no, there could be dozens of possible answers and and he's encouraging you or encouraging everyone to ask the questions or to find the questions. Here's the answer. What's the question? Um, which I found just listening to him talk was so inspiring for me because he has such a life um, to him and, and that curiosity of life that I think forces us to be more creative or to be more inquisitive or um, to tune in a little bit more deeply if we're not just kind of along for the ride, but we're truly, truly at the core of our being curious and wanting to know like why why is the sky blue why does I think why does music happen we know what happens why does it happen um, and all of those little questions that I think we grow up asking and then somewhere <laughs> along the line taper off um, whether we become academics or whether we get busy or um, I don't know any any billions of reasons we lose that curious spirit but yeah Listening to it sparks so many other questions that I think as music therapists, we need to ask the questions or we need to um, just look at things a little bit differently. It's quite an honor to sit down and talk with someone who's watched this profession grow. And so in the stage that we're in now, there are still so many questions to be asked. And probably when he started, there were a million more questions that we now have the answers to and we're in kind of a better, more, a better place of understanding at this point. Um, but I was really taken back when he put it into context for me that he is CAMT member number 59. Right? Mind-blowing. <laughs> like, just how... I have no words. I just, it just really took me aback. It was just like, wow, you know, this is really a budding and growing profession. Like it's growing exponentially since people like Paul, because of people like Paul. Mm -hmm. Like imagine if Paul had never hooked up with a university to start a program in Nova Scotia. Um, like it's just astounding to me that since he discovered the world of music therapy there are now so many like what number am i i don't know i don't remember what i am either but it's in the couple i think we're we're triple digits so we know that much <laughs> yeah i almost want to go look it up right now <laughs> it's just it's it's astounding um you know we've come so far and to still have somebody like him around who is just so passionate about having conversations and continuing to learn. Like he let us have a little bit of a moment where he mm. was asking us questions and genuinely wanting to learn from our experience. And I found that was really not only just empowering for me as somebody who just like looks up to him as this, you know, founding father of music therapy <laughs> in my world. Um, it's just like really fantastic to see that you can continue to have that curiosity, as you were saying, you can continue to evolve and develop yourself. Mm. And there's no cap for that as long as you remain willing and curious. 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I was really taken aback by the the number 59 as well. And I think it just speaks to, um, like you said, the growth of the profession, but it also it put it a little bit more in perspective to me and, and gave me a bit of hope because I think um, oftentimes we, we get, we get hung up on um, the fact that we're, we're taking it step by step, that we're a slow growing field sometimes, or sometimes we can't see the wider picture because we're talking to someone and we've explained music therapy 10 times in one day, or we're just not seeing the gains that we want. But when you speak to people like Paul, who have truly been there from for a, a lot longer than we have, have seen the growth of the field and ha- show us a bit more of that distance, it, it gives me hope to know, okay, we can be those people that take it to the next step so that when the next generation is coming in, they're having the same impact of, oh, look how much the field continues to grow. It's it's a cyclical and continuing process. And quite a vast one for him too, because he had to take the initiative to not only learn within uh, the resources he had available to him in Canada, because it was still such a budding profession in Canada, he had to then, you know, go outside of Canada to learn more. Mm -hmm. So he kind of has this global perspective of what music therapy is. He's learned in London and Boston Mm -hmm. and, you know, he spent most of his career in New Brunswick. So it's just like, I love... Um, learning about the same thing from a different perspective, from a different lens um, and in different applications. And it's just wonderful to see. I don't know. I just, I'm really inspired by um, his initiative. Um, and I think that is partly why I, I even practice in some of the ways that I do today or why I continue to be a learner. But, I, uh, you know, even things like implementing a business element into our course at Acadia, that was really, I loved that. <laughs> I loved that class. I did so, well, I, I shouldn't say that. Let's cut that part out. <laughs> I loved that class so much because it allowed me to, to imagine myself in a space that did more than just provide direct client contact work. I think that often we can get put into this bubble of just doing direct client contact work. But what happens when, you know, you're the only music therapist in your area and now you're suddenly, you know, have this responsibility of running a business. Like we need to know how to do that, what we should be prepared for. Even if it's just like fundamental things that will help us, we're not going to know everything, but, you know, just being prepared that this, hey, you could use these skills, you could need these skills. Let me, let me help you develop those skills before you need them, before you're ready. Yeah. That it's that's so important, and I think um, I think we're seeing that a little bit more in the music therapy world that people are realizing, oh, we we are business people. We need to have those skills. But what an honor! What a what a fortunate um, component for you to have had built into your schooling. And like you said, that's because of people like Paul who who think outside the box, who bring these things, who ask those questions um, to bring together all of these different perspectives. Um, and like you said, learning from people all over the world, from people who have such different lived experiences, different um perspectives on the world only enriches and enriches how we see the world which is something I'm I'm really inspired by and really passionate about too 
um, and Paul was talking a little bit about his definition of respect, which I, the whole point, all of the points that he, he gave, I, like hit my soul so deeply. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to the episode and look for that. But his third point, and I wrote it down almost word for word, I think. Um, so the third point was to have a willingness to listen and consider another person's rules for living and to consider that it could be something you adopt. So beyond just, you know, putting yourself in someone else's shoes, which is very important, trying to see something from someone else's perspective, but going that additional step to say, okay, could that be a new component of the way that I live my life where I see the world? And and that's that's really how we continue to grow and develop as people too. We I, I believe that we are collections of the people that we encounter in our journeys and we do certain things because someone else said it or did it or showed us that. Um, so I, yeah, I, I really like that perspective and I think it's just such a beautiful way to interact with the world. Yeah, I think that might be a great thing to add to one of our scavenger hunts. <laughs> At the end of every season, we put together a scavenger hunt of little tidbits of uh, gems of information that we get from our guests and and create this little fun um, quiz that you can take just to to go back and review some of those things. And it's just a really fun way to condense all of that information into one space and make it enjoyable to do. So if you haven't checked out the season one scavenger hunt or the season two scavenger hunt, you can go and find those on our website. Uh, but yeah, he said a lot of things that really like tugged me at the heart. Um, and one of those things was just in relationship and building relationship with others through this medium of therapy and being the therapist, we have a duty to be attentive, be aware, be reasonable, responsible, and understanding our value system. And I think that ties well into uh, the three points he was talking about respect. You know, that idea of understanding your value system so that you can then have willingness to listen and consider someone else's rules for living is something that really sat with me. And I think it's still something that I'll continue to explore within my own practice is just, we've said that before, understanding what is is a core value to you if you're a business owner, if you are a professional if you're a human being walking this earth, it's important to understand what your core values are, what your value system is, and what you're choosing to accept responsibility for in the way that you're presenting yourself. And that's no different uh, within a therapy setting. Yeah, 100%. I I really loved listening to those those points as well, too, and, and taking them in, like you said, of really being attentive, really understanding your values and taking the time to do the work so that you know your values, but then also taking the time to truly understand someone else's and see how they interact. Um, I mean, we say this over and over and over again about music therapy is we're humans. We work with humans. There is no formula. There is no like concrete right or wrong. And it really, it comes down to, yeah, that attentiveness, that willingness to be present, that willingness to engage in relationship with someone. Um, and, and, and not just a one way relationship, not just we're here to, to accomplish X, Y, Z, but we're here to be with you, to be here in story, to be here in relationship. 
Paul also mentioned about his teaching, like teaching is learning. 100% could not agree more. The amount of things we learn from the people that we work with, that we interact with, um, only again, continues to enrich our lives. So yeah, the whole conversation with Paul just really prompted, um, lots of self-reflection and additional ways to live my life and, um, continue that, that, that little nudge. Sometimes we get, um, we plateau a little bit, maybe we, life gets busy or things are, are going crazy. And so we don't put as much, um, self-reflection time in, or we don't stop to think, okay, what am I, what are my current values? What am I, what is my, um, hope for this world? What is my, all, I mean, a lot of the questions we ask our, our podcast guests too are really refreshing because it prompts us to reflect a little bit more deeply. Yeah. And it kind of puts us in this place of consistent vulnerability Mm. and openness. I think that, you know, being a therapist is a selfless profession. It it has to be a selfless profession in order to allow somebody else's experience to facilitate the session, to Mm. um, inform the session. And I think that, um, you know, that vulnerability, that selflessness, that humbled nature that we have to experience as anti-oppressive music therapists in particular, you know, really, really lends itself well to Paul's question of what it all comes down to in perspective is when we're in relationship with another person through therapy, it's just simply asking, how can I be of service? Yeah. And that's it. Like, how can I be of service to you within this relationship? If you as the client, as the service user, as the music therapy participant, if you are the answer to the question, what questions do I need to be asking in order to get to this answer? Yeah. How can I be of service? I just love that sentiment. Me too. I have it scribbled down in front of me. I feel like that's a, an, another mantra to come into my life and something that I've, I've explored a little bit before, but it just sums it up so nicely. Just like you said, if you're the answer, what questions do I need to ask? If it, if it all comes back to a place of how can I be of service – then it it um, takes away the well, really it takes away the option of being selfish about it because we have to be in that mindset of okay, where is my focus? How can I be of service? Um, yeah, I find that very grounding. There's something sweet about that. I mean, there's definitely the recognition that we have expertise, but I find. The more I practice, the more humbled I get when I feel myself (laughs) wearing those pants. Like, I'm the expert in this situation. And I'm, um, you know, I get stripped of those pants (laughs) metaphorically in a number of instances. And, you know, it's the best thing to happen. I quite enjoy and welcome those moments. But I think I came the root of, if we talk about core value systems, the root to why, my why as to why I came to this profession was to serve other people. And so I think that's why this question of how can I be of service really resonates with me. So if that question really resonates with you, let us know what you think and how that question 
comes to life in your your practicing world? How can you be of service? Maybe it's something you use to reflect on, a prompt in your journal, or maybe just something that you're aware of in your in-between moments um, throughout your day. Just really coming back to that, like Kim said, maybe it's a new mantra, (laughs) but you can connect with us on Instagram. You can connect with us via email. Uh, We'd love to hear how this episode and how this question really sits with you. How can we be of service? Thank you for listening to the Able Voice Podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Synergy Music Therapy. You can also find links to our most recent and top-rated episodes on our website at www.synergymusictherapy.com.